We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 this morning, starting verse 11. I think a lot of the teachings of Jesus is he's setting our expectation right. I think we have a slide so that we might avoid the disillusionment, the disappointment, the discouragement that comes when we expect something that's never coming. So the word of God sets our expectation. I wonder how much of what I expect is actually coming from what I want rather than what God has said. In what is called the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, for example, Jesus answers his disciples' questions about the signs of the end of the world, of his second coming. And it's interesting that many of the things that typically set off end of the world hysteria and a lot of book sales, a lot of those things, Jesus said, these are not the sign. These are not the sign that the end is at hand. In Luke chapter 19, the text we're gonna look at this morning, he, Jesus, by a parable, he sets his disciples' expectation aright so they can avoid being disappointed. I've, I've known too many Christians over the last 45 years as a believer that have become disillusioned, disappointed, discouraged. And I can trace it back to an expectation that wasn't set by God's word. It may have been set by some type of hype, some type of alarmism. But I think we do well if we let, we really listen to God's word. You know, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In this parable we're gonna look at this morning, Jesus is saying in essence that the culmination of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is going to be delayed longer than you might expect. It's going to be delayed longer than you might expect. And in the parable, he clearly lets us know what he expects us to be doing, what I call in the meantime, in that time between now and when he does come. And so Jesus has just passed through Jericho, if you were here three weeks ago and then six weeks ago, as I'm teaching every third week in the Gospel of Luke. But he's just passed through Jericho. He healed, remember, blind Bartimaeus. He also had lunch with a mafia kingpin named Zacchaeus, a little guy who was jumped up in a tree because he wanted to get a view of Jesus. He heard Jesus was in town. It says on his way, verse 11, we're gonna pick up in verse 11 of chapter 19, on his way to Jerusalem, he spoke another parable. Notice, because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So we're given the reason right here off, off the bat why he's speaking this next parable. It's because they thought the kingdom of God's gonna appear immediately. Okay, so this parable is meant to adjust their expectations so they're not distracted by hype they're not all panicked and wasting time, that they might avoid 
being disappointed, disillusioned, and whatever that third one was. <laughs> That's right. I knew that. I was just seeing if you did. And so Jesus approaches Jerusalem with the Passover approaching. Probably about two million people will, will come into the city over the normal population. The disciples, among many other of the Jews there in the first century, their expectation was wrongly set by their strong political desire to see the Romans thrown off their backs. The Romans who had marched in and annexed Israel and were heavily taxing the Jewish people, their expectation is that Jesus, right now, you're gonna take up arms and we're gonna start slaughtering Romans. We're gonna be with you. You're gonna take the reins of political power right now. This is what they wanted. And we sympathize. We sympathize. And I wonder how many of my expectations are more based upon what I want right now, what I want right now to see happen as opposed to being based in God's word. How much disillusionment, disappointment, discouragement do I bring on myself? This is my question as I studied these passages. In this parable, Jesus sets the expectation aright concerning the kingdom of God, and in this parable, he uses the, the principle of investing money, interestingly enough. This is a topic around the, my household as a child growing up. Was every day my dad was bringing up the principles of investment. He was an airline pilot, but his second career that he did alongside of that was he invested money and he was a financial advisor. And I've always been hesitant to bring these things up as I've been in pastoral ministry because so many churches is focused on money, try to get money from the people. At Calvary Chapel, you know, Chuck Smith never talked about money. And, and yet Jesus gets into investing. He's going to talk about it, and I'm happy to talk about it. I love talking about it in private to people. You know, it's exciting, the principles of investment. But he's going to illustrate what he's saying, what he expects us to be doing, by really getting into the principles of investment. He expects us to be investing our lives in this in-between time, in this meantime, between now and when he comes. Therefore he said, okay, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. Again, they're entering Jerusalem and he's telling this parable because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately and so Jesus begins to correct their expectation and he starts in about this certain nobleman who goes into a far country. It's gonna be a lot longer than you guys are expecting is the message right off the first part of this parable. It's gonna be a long while until he returns. It's not gonna happen immediately like you expect. And they were all set up for disappointment, disillusionment, and they did become depressed. And they went and hid. And they, and they thought their whole lives were 
completely collapsed until they saw him raised from the dead and then it was like, okay, let's get going here, Lord. And so he called 10 of his servants. He goes on in this parable and he delivered to them 10 minas. Okay, a mina is a unit of currency in that day. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he gave to each of 10 servants a mina. And he said to them, do business until I come. Look at those words. It's going to be longer than you think, and this is what I want you to be doing. I want you to be doing business until I come. And if you have the the old King James that I, I had for the first 15 years as a believer, it says, Jesus says here, occupy till I come. And it's from that Greek word there for occupy that we get our word for occupation. In other words, don't quit your job, you guys. Don't stop going to college because you think that the kingdom is going to appear way sooner than it is. I want you to stay engaged. I want you to stay in doing business until I come, all the way until I come. Now, it's interesting that in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus was asked about the sign of his coming in the end of the age, the things that we commonly associate, that many times preachers sound alarms over, Jesus said, none of these are the sign of the end. Don't be alarmed. Stop ringing the alarm every time there's a war or a rumor of war or there's an earthquake or there's a new virus that appears. And yet, I know preachers that they do exactly that. They sound the alarm. And read it, Matthew 24. Don't be alarmed and don't sound the alarm. Don't be distracted. This is not what I want you to do. (laughs) Until I come, I want you doing business. And as we're going to see, his illustration is that of investing. Okay, the sign, by the way, before we move on here, the sign of the end, Jesus says there in Matthew 24, is when you see the Antichrist standing in the rebuilt temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, declaring himself to be God, he said, then quit your job, run, because your redemption is here. The temple's not rebuilt right now. Is the stage being set? Absolutely. You know, the the stage of prophecy is being set. But what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be doing business. We're supposed to be occupying till he comes. He wants us investing. For some, that means go to college. That means go now and get your master's degree, get your doctorate degree, depending on what God's gifted you in. For some, you have a skill that God wants you to He wants you to further develop that skill. For some of you, it means I want you to get married if God brings the right person at the right time. For some, it means have some children. Invest in your kids. Pay attention to them. Don't be distracted from what is in front of you. For others, it means start a business, a literal business. Others still have athletic gifts that some of us don't have. And that always blows my mind, how gifted some people are athletically. God has a purpose for it. Go for it. For all of us as believers, this means invest in the gospel. 
the gospel enterprise, bringing the gospel of Christ to the world, sow the seeds, pray and ask God to set up a divine appointment each day. Watch what he does. You know, many times I don't go out into the day ready to share my faith because I, I feel so awkward and I don't know how to do this. And God's like going, I never said you do. Pray. In your weakness, pray and let me set you up. And he does set me up. And I'm sitting there with this divine appointment going, wow, this is a setup. You know, if God hits the ball into your court, you're playing tennis with God, he expects you to hit it back. <laughs> I want you to share your faith with this person. Lord, I don't know how to do this. And next thing you know, the person's asking you some question about something. I was on a bus one time in Hungry, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to share with this person sitting next to you on the bus. And I'm like in this wrestling match, this tennis match with God. I'm like going, and all of a sudden the person tapped on my shoulder and said, what's that book sticking out of your backpack? And it was my Bible. All of a sudden I'm in a conversation. In my weakness, I'm telling God, I can't do this. God, you need to do something. Next thing you know, tap, tap, tap. Oh yeah, I forgot, God's in the equation. You know? So to each of these 10 servants in this parable, they're each given an equal amount of money. Now, a mina was about three months' wages for the average worker. The average wage right now in California is $60,000, $65,000 a year for the average worker. So three months' wages would be about $15,000. So In Jesus' parable here, there's 10 servants. They each get about $15,000. And the servants are expected to do business, okay, until he comes back. Do business. I want you to trade. I want you to invest. What I've entrusted to you is what the message is. But notice in verse 14, we're introduced to another category of people. There's the servants, and here are the citizens. But his citizens, this is a different category, they hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. Okay? So two groups, the servants and the citizens. He's going to deal with the citizens at the end of the parable. But it was that when he returned... So he goes on a long journey, receives a kingdom, and then returns. And when he returns, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants. They've each been given $15,000, let's just say, instead of a mina. Okay? To whom he'd given the money to be called to him, he called them, he summoned them in, and he said, that he, I want to know what each of you has gained by trading. Notice this. Jesus is talking here the language of investment, of the stock market in particular. Interesting. So the master returns. He first deals with the servants. Later, he's going to deal with the citizens. Upon his return, he first wants to know, how much have you gained by trading, by investing what I entrusted to you? And the first one came in and he said, Master, your mina, notice the language here, your mina has earned 10 minas. The guy doesn't take credit for it. He credits the money for actually making money, which is also the language of investment. You put your money to work, right? 
Okay, your mina has made 10 minas, 10 times return, a, a thousand percent on the investment. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful and very little, have authority over 10 cities. He gained 10 times, and so he's given 10 cities. Interesting. And then the second servant came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Okay, the 15,000 has been turned into what? What's that? 75,000, right? Therefore, I'm giving you authority over five cities. It's interesting. And it shouldn't surprise us okay, that Jesus, who was Jewish, love this is this is not controversial, <laughs> who grew up in Jewish culture, it's not it shouldn't surprise us that he knew the principles and used them in this parable of investment. Jews have had the principle of investment in their culture for thousands of years. You read the Proverbs, it speaks much of money and how to wisely use money. You know? <coughs> Excuse me. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 and 2. Cast your bread upon the water. Okay, put it, put it, invest in shipping is what he's saying. After many days, there'll be a return. But he says, but send it out in seven different directions. Diversify your investment is what it's saying there. Thousands of years ago in the Jewish culture. You know, there, there's not, there's, it's not a surprise why that culture has produced so many doctors, so many lawyers, so many wealthy financers. Because for thousands of years, Remember that there was a guy named Moses who received the law of God and the people studied the law? Is it any wonder that there's so many top lawyers that come out of that culture? They've had the principles of investment and here's Jesus using the principles of investment to illustrate to his disciples what he expects them to be doing between now and when he comes. He doesn't want us panicking, sounding alarms, getting distracted from the life he's entrusted to us. And some pastors do this because it sells books and it's sad. And then 15 years later, the books are obsolete and someone else is sounding alarms. We are to be investing in what God has entrusted to us. Notice again, this is what we're to be doing between the first and second coming. Here in the meantime, not getting sensational at every mention of a war or a, a, you know, earthquakes happening over here. There's a novel coronavirus on the scene, right? And then everybody freaks out. This is exactly what we're not to be doing. Getting angry at our immediate local political problems. You know, in the first century, they had their local, immediate, overwhelming political problems. They're, they had Rome that was dominating them, and they all hated it. 
and much of their expectation was based upon what they wanted politically and not on the word of God and it led to a lot of disillusionment, disappointment, depression. Jesus wants us to be spared all of that if we'll but listen to his word in the middle of our intense political environment, you know. We're to continue to do business right up until he comes. But Greg, it looks like he's coming. Okay, keep doing business because that's what he said he wants us to do. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep investing everything that he's entrusted to you. And then another came and said, Lord, here's your mina. Okay, the first guy has 10 minas that he, that he, that he gained. The other had five. This guy, he, all he has is the original mina. He says, Master, this is your, here's your mind. I kept it, I put it away in a handkerchief. I stuffed it under my mattress. This one did not invest at all. He put his mind under his mattress. Instead of putting his 15,000, you know, at 20 years of age in a mutual fund, <laughs> put it in a hand, handkerchief under his mattress and you know, if, if you do that, when you're 60 years old, you're going to have $15,000, but your $15,000 is not going to be worth $15,000 because there's something that'll eat, eat at it. What's that called? Inflation, right? This third guy gives his excuse for his disobedience. He said, I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect what you didn't deposit, reap what you didn't sow. This is a parable. I figured that you're so powerful, you didn't need my help, so I just took your, your money and I kept it in a safe spot under my bed in a handkerchief. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, <laughs> I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I didn't deposit, reaping what I didn't sow, knowing I was so powerful, in other words, you should have just obeyed me. And then he asked, this nobleman asked this third servant who didn't invest, he said, why didn't you just put the money in the bank? Then at my coming, I could have collected it with some interest, you know? This is the least risky, lowest yield possible on money, but you didn't even do that, you know? And up until the, this year, for years and years now, and putting your money in the bank was almost like putting it under your mattress, but now it's popped back up to four or five percent. I don't know if you know that. When I was a kid, I remember my dad taking me down to Bank of America and opening my first bank account. I had a little booklet and they would stamp it and all. And it was, we were getting eight percent from the bank back in 1976. Can you imagine that? 8%. It, lately, it's been less than 1%. It's been a fraction of 1%, but now it's popped up. Here, Jesus, in this parable, saying to the third guy, why didn't you just stick it in the bank to get a little interest for me? Isn't this interesting? You know, this is not the focus of our message, but the full counsel of God on this topic of money and investment and all, if you take all the scriptures and you put them together, you can summarize God's instruction to us concerning our relationship with money 
And it's this, give some, enjoy some, and invest the rest. And then you can be able to give more, enjoy more, and even invest more. This is what God's word tells us. And there's too many verses, and it's not the focus of this study. But God is wanting us to invest, not just money, but he wants everything that he's entrusted us to be put into a place where it can multiply, okay? For some of you, your minds, he wants you to read, to read, to learn new things, to have it as part of your daily discipline. For others of you gifted in, in, in music, to put time in, practice, you know? For some of you, it's going to the next level in that martial art. Maybe you're a brown belt. Get your black belt. Get your second degree, your third degree. You know, we're, we're different, and we've been gifted differently, but whatever God's entrusted you, he wants you investing it. You know, for others, it's resources so that you can give more, enjoy more, and even invest more. In the meantime, he wants us Doing business in this meantime, between now and when he comes, and in all we do, and in all that we do, the most lasting investment of all, overwhelmingly, as we see in scripture, is investing, planting the seed of the gospel in people's lives, okay? And you can just sow it. The gospel is a seed, and it is the power of God unto salvation. A lot of people don't feel powerful, and thus they don't share the gospel. You know what? The gospel has its own power. All you got to do is plant it or water it. And God's the one who brings the. We don't need to help or push it. This third servant blew it. <clears throat> he disobediently put what was entrusted to him in a handkerchief and buried it. And so the nobleman said to those who stood by, verse 24, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, master, he has 10 minas. Jesus said, give it to the guy that's investing it. Okay, this sounds harsh, but the guy remains a servant. He doesn't get kicked out of the, the nobleman's kingdom or his house. He just has limited himself in what God was wanting to do with his life. Okay? He was not, he's not going to be entrusted with anything more. Jesus emphasized this and he says, For I say to you that everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have... Even what he has will be taken from him. In other words, God is really serious about you wanting to invest your life, he, to be doing business till he comes. But there were those enemies of mine, he says, bring them here. Now he's talking about the citizens. Okay? These aren't the servants, these are the citizens that we were introduced to earlier. He says, these ones who do not want me to reign over them, bring them before me and slay them. Okay, the main point of the, this parable is so clear. The kingdom will be delayed 
longer than you would want. Okay? I'm jet lagging right now. I'm a little bit sick. My back hurts. I want the Lord to come back right now. <laughs> That's what I want, you know. We're coming into an election year and it's gonna get really weird this year. You know, the media, it, it's, just, it's just so crazy right now. The world's going crazy. I'm like, I want you to come back right now, Lord. <laughs> you know, and the Lord's gonna come back when he comes back and he's like, thank you very much. I'm glad you want me to come back, but I want you to stay focused. I want you to keep doing business until I come. I don't want you to get distracted and derailed. And I got, the, I got things in my life right now that I need to be focused on. You got other things. I have a teenage son, you know? Stay focused. Don't drop this ball. I have a 21-year-old daughter who's, God's doing cool stuff with her and stay available. But my wife, God's doing amazing stuff in my wife's life. You know, that here at the church, there's certain things God has for me. What does he have for you? Do business until he comes. Invest in what he's given you. You see? He might be coming today. Maybe he is coming today. That would be amazing. You know, I kind of wish he'd wait till after the 49ers play the Rams, but I've been watching that Josh Purdy kid, man, and it's exciting. But if the Lord comes back, we won't be disappointed. And Josh Purdy will be there with us. He's an outspoken believer. What are we to be doing in the meantime? Multiplying. What he's entrusted to us. He's gone into a far country. He will return when he returns. We might be on the verge. I hope so. In the meantime, the, the, the clear message of the parable is I'm serious about you doing business. You investing until I come. Taking every opportunity to share the gospel we're going to close with one verse here this morning in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. And I love this passage. Those who are wise, okay? We just saw the wise servants who obeyed the master and invested what he entrusted to them. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Like we can't see the brightness of the firmament here because we have light pollution in the Inland Empire, but man, you go out to some places in Arizona and you look up and you realize we're a little speck in the Milky Way galaxy. It's so awesome, you just almost have to lay down and absorb it. But we've polluted stuff so bad that we can't see it anymore, but those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who turn many to righteousness, and, and how do we do this? It's the gospel that brings righteousness to people, to sinners, that brings forgiveness and the, the righteousness of Christ. Those who turn many to righteousness, those who have invested the gospel, the word of God into the souls of human beings. These are two things that last forever. The word of God and the souls of human beings. Want to invest in something that has the ultimate futures market? The souls of human beings and the word of God. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who turn many to righteousness 
will shine forever and ever like the stars forever and ever. Wow. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us, Lord, your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hear these things above what we want. Lord, above, Lord, all the alarms that go off, that we could stay steadfast. Lord, we pray your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to keep plugging away, to keep investing, to keep multiplying what you've given us. To your glory and to our greater joy, we ask that you would do this. And everybody who agreed said out loud together,